usually don't have you. We are now. Okay. Hey, I, Celeste has been doing an amazing job back there. You know, I'm, I, I'm looking around and, and, you know, to those, uh, those who serve in the nursery and the, in the place, they go online to listen to the messages. And, and I, I just want to say it's really great. Um, this week, I went, oh, I got to get the message up because Ed has been doing that and we've been wanting to get other people trained so that Ed's not running back and forth. And so I says, oh, Ed's been out for a week. Um, and so this week I said, I've got to, I've got to get the message loaded up. And I, I went to the website. I don't know why I did that, but I went there to check and, and it was loaded. It was already up online. And so immediately I picked up the phone and called Celeste and, and she's figured it all out and she's putting up the messages and they sound really good. I'm going to switch. Th- that is one of the prayer requests. I'm going to switch because this one just keeps falling down. I guess it, it, maybe it's supposed to be a short sermon today. Um, be in prayer for the for the briars. Many of you know, but some of you don't know that uh, you know, Una um, was having a lot of pain. And for those you know, you know. If you, She's, uh, plays the keyboard. She serves um, it's, its wife. But she was having a lot of pain last Thursday and Friday, a week ago. And Friday night, it was getting so severe, they, they called us to see what the symptoms of appendicitis was because Matthew had one. And we told them, they, said, well, they didn't think it was that, but they still took her to the emergency room. Excruciating pain and a lot of days of testings and trying to figure things out. She was in the hospital for, for eight, six days, seven days, six, seven days. Um, she's home now recovering. She had, um, fluid in her abdomen. And so she was on radical antibiotics to get rid of the infection. Don't know what it's caused from. Don't know anything about either, but, but they're treating it and it's going well. The recovery is slow. So she's really weak, uh, very weak. So be praying, be praying for Ed as he's, he's, because she's home, he's really, she needs pretty much 24 hour care and she, she needs help to, to walk around the house because it just took it out of her and she hasn't been able to eat because of the nausea and the medication. So she's on the road to recovery. She's getting better. Be in prayer for them. Be in prayer for, for Ed and, and of course the, the little guys is he's, he's, he's Mr. Mom, Mr. Dad, Mr. Nurse right now. So that's what's been going on. That's why we canceled the, um, Oh, oh, and Ed, and Ed, the day that Una started having pain, he was out being a kid, and he rolled his ankle really bad when he was skateboarding with some of the youth, and it did, it wasn't broken, which actually would have been better, instead it's torn muscles and torn ligaments, and so, so it's a long healing process, so he's gimping around, and his foot swells up, and he's trying to do all these things, so, um, be in prayer, and if anyone likes to have little kids, you know, that could be arranged. Um, and that's why we, we canceled the, the beach trip last Tuesday, and I think everyone got the message, so we've rescheduled. It's in the bulletin for August 17th, which is a Saturday, which is also much better and easier, except for everyone for Lex, except Lexi. We're going to the beach on the 17th of August. We're going to have a family day down there at Huntington Beach, and a baptism and a bonfire. The youth were really crying to go, and I thought, let's just anyone who can go. So if you can come down uh, any part of that day, go, come down later and enjoy the evening. We're going to do that on Saturday the 17th. And so that's that. And then of course, next week is potluck day with Wellspring Church. So we're doing main dishes. So bring something yummy. Um, I have to call them to make sure they bring me chocolate because they're doing the desserts and the salads. 
And uh, anyway, so those some of the things that are in your bulletin, but I want to ma- have you make special note of real quickly. Also, don't we don't do this all the time, but but I, I want to do something this morning. And there's some birthdays. Now Ruby's not here, and Jill is right there. Jolene, Jill, Ruby are some of the birthdays this week. Jolene Taylor's having a birthday today. Jill's having a birthday, Ruby. But if your birthday's in August, I'd actually like you to stand and just say happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) So, amen. So these are all turning one year older. But stay standing for a second because I just want to pray a blessing. I want to pray a blessing. Is it Grandpa's birthday? Yeah. Father, I just pray, God, a blessing upon everyone who's having a birthday, a special blessing. God, as they grow in physical age, as they're turning a year older, Lord, I pray that you would unfold to them new depths, new blessings, new richness of your love, your mercy, your grace, your truth. Lord, that you would cause this year to be amazing. Lord, that they would know you better, that they would be blessed in the, in the natural, that they would uh, just feel your presence more than they have in the past. God, though sometimes some don't look forward to getting older, Lord, I pray that you would bring such a richness of maturity into their faith that they would say, you know, this was one of the best years of my life and I'm looking to so many more. Bless every birthday person in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So a husband and a wife were doing their shopping together, which already can be a problem. Husbands and wife shopping together. And this was an interesting couple. So the husband does what some husbands do, and he picks up his case of beer, and he puts it in the, in the cart. And his wife says, what are you doing? He says, well, they're on sale. This is only... $20. And she says, put it back. So he puts it back and they shop a little bit further and they get into the cosmetic section and she pulls down a few things, some face creams and things like that. And he says, what are you doing? He says, well, these are face creams. I need to use them. They make me look beautiful. He says, well, it's $40. He says, yeah, but they make me look beautiful. He says, the beer's only 20 And that makes you look beautiful too. He never knew what hit him. You know, I hope this isn't a scene at your house. But unfortunately, it is the scene at some homes. You know, I don't know if this is, this is it for you, but I've talked to some people over the years, and it seems like for some, there's a huge chasm between their church life and their real life. They even say it that way. And, you, and some of you are going, Pastor Rob, how could you tell such a joke? <laughs> the issue I have with that question is that many of you would tell that joke if we weren't here. There's sometimes too much of a chasm between our church life and what we think is our real life. That needs to be bridged. And I don't know what it is that people can't understand to bring it together. I don't know what it is that causes this chasm. Maybe it's 
too many expectations they feel put on them at the church. So their life looks very different, different at church than it does at home. I don't know if it's not enough understanding on actually how to live the Christian life at home. I think sometimes we read the Bible and think, how does this apply to my situation? I mean, that's happened to me. Go, God, how does this apply? And for some, that's all they ever see in the Bible. They, the, great, the stories and this, but how does this apply to me? You know, over the years, I've heard amazing statements about what the Bible is. And I, I want to give you two, and they're not my absolute favorites, but, but I like them for a couple of different reasons. One simply is this. The Bible is B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. It's kind of fun. It's kind of catchy. Basic instructions before. I remember hearing that as a youth, and I just really liked that. I've seen it on bumper stickers. You probably have too. Another one was by Pope Gregory I, who is also known as is St. Gregory the Great, about 600. Um, he said, Scripture is like a river, broad and deep, shallow enough here for the lamb to go wading, but deep enough there for the elephant to swim. That's a great picture of the Bible. It's shallow enough for the lamb to swim, yet to wade, yet deep enough for the elephant to actually swim. The Bible is everything for all people. We should never be afraid of it. The Bible actually does have the basic instructions before leaving earth. I believe the Bible is the book that has the answers to life, your life and mine. It's not a religious book. It's a life book. It's the book of love. Who wrote the book of love? God did. Now you guys are going to be humming the rest of the day. It's a parenting book. It's a book on relationships, a book on marriage. It's a book on finances. It talks about ethics. It tears into a man and exposes his heart. And yet it brings healing to those who receive the one that the Bible exalts as the one and only Lord and Savior. I can't say enough about the Word of God, about the Bible. It's so important in our lives. This morning I'm going to give a few wax to it and covering a few wonderful morsels, just enough maybe to whet your appetite. And, and for... For though, you know, wet is W-H-E-T, wet, and it means to arouse. It doesn't mean to satisfy it. It means to arouse. This morning, I hope to arouse your appetite for the word, to actually understand that it's speaking to us and it has the answers that we need. I want you to be stimulated, not stymied. Go forward and say, God. There's something I'm missing, and, and it's found in the Word of God. Inspired, motivated. For some of you, to start waiting. Not waiting, but waiting. Get in there. Start getting into the Word and wait in it. I believe the picture of the Bible is the same as the depth of our walk with Christ. It was the, the prophecy in Ezekiel, is the water flew, th- flows from the throne, and as you begin to walk... It covered his ankles and he just gets in and further and further. The glory of the Lord is the same with the word of God. As you get in deeper and deeper, pretty soon you're in deep and and you just swim. Be engulfed in the word of God. We want to find 
some of the riches of what God has to say. Some of you will start waiting. Others need to dive off and get into the deep end. You've been waiting around in the kiddie side of the pool too long. God's got some deep things for you to discover. So where are we going to start today's journey? Believe it or not, we're continuing the book of Colossians. We're getting close to the end. We're in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to continue on in what Pastor Jeff spoke to last week. We're going to go Colossians 3.18 all the way through 4.1 today, which means we're in chapter 4 next week and we'll continue on and we'll be finishing up soon. I'd like to read this. It's a, it's a few verses. It's about nine verses. So hang on. Father, let your word speak. Let it be anointed as it is in Jesus' name. Wives, submit. I love to say that. <laughs> wives, submit to your own husbands as, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality." Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This morning as we start, right away we hit verse 18 and some people are going, that you, you, you're, you're tempted to just check out. Wives, submit. Here we go again. We're going to talk to the women. We're going to tell them they have to be under the thumb of man and, and there's been issues in your life. I want to relieve this. I know that there are special circumstances and that not everyone's circumstances are the same. Don't back out of hearing what the Lord has to say through his word today because of past or even present things going on in your life. There's richness in the principles of God that need to be applied. This is for all of us. Just as, as some people get stopped in receiving Christ because they say, well, what about the pygmies in Africa? What about, you know, how can God send anyone to hell? What about the pygmies in Africa? I just, and, and they use that as an excuse and then they back away. Don't let your circumstances or your friend's circumstances or any other thing back away from the principles of God as we unfold these things this morning. Now, I invite you as we talk about some of these subjects about husbands and wives and kids, that if you're in a situation that you have real serious questions about, do I submit in this situation? What does that mean? And, and it's not covered. Don't back off. Instead, press in. Talk to your life group leader. Come and talk to one of the pastors. We can help you walk through. But, but, so let's not get lost in that, but let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through these verses here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The word submit... And, and we're going to talk to the guys in a, in, a, in a second, so it's okay. But first of all, you go, well, why are they doing the women first? That's an interesting question. I don't really know why, why they did that. But one thing is that in the church in the early days, women were really nothing, and they're actually elevating them into 
a higher position at this point. And so it was wonderful. But so he speaks to the women first. Wives, submit to your own husbands. This is fitting to the Lord. I think it probably has to do with men's pride too. And he knew that if you attack the man first, he might just. So he's like, you know, I'm going to talk to the women and I'm going to get the men. So we're going to do here too. Submit is not about subjugation. It's, It's about, well, the word means to be arranged under rank. That's a good picture of it. Arranged under rank rank and if you're familiar with the military there's ranks in the military every rank is important every position in the military is important if you know about the military you know that if you're an officer you have rank over non-officers which is enlisted so you could have been in the military for 20 years and be the highest possible rank which would be an e8 e9 i guess it is there's only well, yeah only, only one e9 but the the um and that's, but you're a sergeant. You've got a special title, but you're a sergeant. You go to college. You go to off training camp. You offer candidate school. You get into the military as an officer. And with a short time, like less than a year, I believe, you outrank that sergeant who's been in the military for 25 years. You outrank him. Captain. You go, huh. Is cap- are captains important? Yes. Are sergeants important? Yes. Are privates important? Yes. To submit is to be arranged in a rank. Now, the captain does not come out onto the battlefield and tell the sergeant who's been leading his platoon for 15 years how to do his job. He doesn't tell him how to do his job. That's not what submit. But the sergeant knows that he does answer, that that is his commanding officer. He respects it. And the final say, whatever those commanding officer says, they go, okay. So in a husband-wife submitting relationship, the husband shouldn't be coming in and telling you how to live everything and do the thumb thing. But that God has put an order. And without that order, we end up with chaos. Imagine a life without structure and order. And we see it. It's called anarchy. Usually doesn't produce good things. So it's about being in that structure. Now this, there's coming up what men are supposed to be to their wives. And I said, if you're in a special circumstance, we don't, we don't submit and unto dangerous situations. If those are your things, come and talk to somebody after the service. That's not what we're talking about. But the husband has the responsibility of headship and leadership. As the captain, if he gives the orders and things go bad, he's the one who takes the responsibility it does go uphill they always have to take responsibility so there's something that god is putting on the shoulders of men that is very powerful and very sobering men you are responsible for what happens in your home this isn't a thing of yay i'm the leader submit this is oh god i'm your man and the responsibility comes back to me for what happens in my home. You don't get to pass it off. So there's a wonderful thing that God is even doing of not putting that responsibility onto the wife. It's not dictatorship or lordship. It's loving leadership. It's loving leadership. Now, there's a co-fitting verses in Ephesians chapter 5 that talk about the Christian household. We're going to go there in just a minute and look at those. So, 
we're, let's go to Ephesians 5.21 real quick as I... As Christians, there is order in the home, and the, and the man is the head of wife. And they together are the head of the children. Pastor Jeff talked about that last week. Here again, it says, wives submit to your own husbands. 522, Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of wife. Christ is head of the church. But go to verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. See, we have to take the whole scriptures and understand what is really being said. There is an order that God has placed in the home. And yet, even in that order, there is still the call to the men that says, but also submit to one another. Submit to your wife. She has wisdom. Listen to her. Just as the captain better listen to the sergeant out on the battlefield. Because that captain may have had no experience. He went to college. He went through his things. And this is his first time out there. And he outranks the sergeant. But he better listen to him. Better listen. Wives have wisdom. They have gifts from God. They have discernment. So we submit to each other. Though when it comes to the final declaration in a godly home, it's the husband who is leading and taking that responsibility. Are we okay? Have I killed anyone yet? Just explaining the scriptures is the way I understand and see it. So back in, in Colossians. Now, we can't, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna hit each of these all the way through, so we're gonna move on. And so ladies can go, okay, I don't have all the answers yet, but there's a principle coming. We're gonna tie it all together. So now talk to the, the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be bitter toward them. And that's a, that's a huge command to the men. Love your wives. What does that mean? Well, it's not lust your wives. That's what attracted you partly in the beginning. It was that lust, that strong emotional desire. That, And the word lust in the Bible is simply epithemia. It's a strong desire. But this is love, and it's agape love. It's not eros love. It's that unconditional love that Christ had when he died for us. For God so loved the world. It's the same word that you don't find in any other contemporary Greek writings. They used other types of words for love. But now, including God's love for us, he's saying, husbands, love in the same way, agape love, your wife. That could end it all. Guys, we need to love as Christ loved us. We go to the First Corinthians, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or envious or boastful or proud. It's not selfish. And already the commands are coming going, that's how I'm supposed to love my wife. When I used to do weddings for a living, I owned the wedding chapel up here for many years and did a lot of weddings. And countless times as we were getting ready to do the service and talking about the vows just briefly, the, the wife would say, listen, do you use that? Scripture says submit. I'm, I kid you not. They would come to me do, and, and they said, don't use that in my wedding. They'd look at me and say, don't you dare say that. Some of them were angry. So I always took the opportunity. I said, you know, let me show you that in the Bible. And I, I would read out of Ephesians and Colossians and 
It says, it says, wives submit, but it says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so I was able to witness that. And I, I, I would tell, t- tell them whether they're saved or not. And, you know, Christ loved the church so much. He died for her. He gave everything for her. He, and, and it invariably they would say, you can put that in the ceremony. Cause I said, if your husband loves you the way Christ loved the church, there will be nothing that he asks of you that will be hard to submit to because it's coming from absolute surrender of his self and love. So in the correct order, it's wonderful. And God has given the man the leadership. And so now he's saying, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Some of you have the word harsh. And it's that the, the, the Greek word there is, it is, it's it, harsh or strong, pungent. And I think that's us. Guys, that's us too often. Snapping, sharp, too strong. They, we come across overbearing. Don't be strong, harsh. Don't be bitter with your wives. We need to come across in love and kindness and softness. A couple of weeks ago when I talked to the men, I talked to you more harshly than the next week when I talked to the women. There's a reason. We might talk to each other and that harsh thing. We understand that. We some often don't even get offended when somebody comes and we kind of we bristle off of each other. We don't speak to what women that way. Change your tone. Let's change our tones. Let's not be harsh with them. Let's love them as Christ loved the church. What a huge command. We're going to keep moving on again, tying it all together. Children, got a few. Got a few that are in the back row, in the front row. It says, obey your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. You know, for all of us, obedience is so important. It's singling out the children. There's a blessing that comes when you listen and obey your, your parents. You should not be running amok. You should not be disobeying. You shouldn't be doing whatever you want and thinking your parents don't know anything, but lining up under their authority. And the Bible said there'll be a blessing as we do that. But obedience is something none of us like. Not, we don't like the word obey. We, we want to do it our own way. But God is trying to put us and help us to understand that there's an order that he desires in life. Christ is the head of the church. Man is the head of woman. Together they rule the house. We need to submit to the Lord. We need to obey him. Children need to submit and obey their parents. And there's blessing that will come with that. Now, I'm not talking about the parent, and this is very rare, but who actually asks their children to do illegal, immoral things. If that's your situation, you come and t- you talk to, your, to, to Ed or to me, one of the leaders, that's a really tough situation. But I'm talking about being respectful and obeying the things that your, your parents say. And I believe that as you would line up and do those things, you'll be a witness. Now, some of you guys, your parents aren't even Christians. You obey them. You become a witness for Christ. And through your life, you can change what's happening in your home. And God will bless you in that. Fathers, do not provoke your children unless they become discouraged. I can hear some of the kids silently saying, Amen. The word here for fathers, in, in languages like Greek... Same in Spanish. If you're going to talk to a room full of 
mothers and fathers, and let's say there are 99 mothers and one father, you would look out at that whole group and call them all padres, fathers. Just like if there was a group of 99 women and one boy, one male, you would call them all the masculine form and you would, all, you would say chicos, even though the women outweigh. Greek is the same. So this necessarily isn't saying fathers. It's very likely saying parents. So listen up, moms too. Don't provoke your children. Do not provoke your children. Don't be a flip-flop. Don't yell unnecessarily. I love the rule that in the house, you should only yell when the house is on fire. Don't yell. Don't provoke. Don't needle your kids. We have to learn how to listen. We have to learn how to respect them as people, as individuals, and not just lord it over. Just as the husband's not supposed to lord over his position, As the head of the house, parents shouldn't do that with their kids. So let's work. And it is work because they do a lot of things to hack us off. I mean, they really do. But it it doesn't say don't discipline them. By all means, please discipline your children. If you're not disciplining your children, I know we've got a lot of grandparents, but if we're not disciplining our children, they're going to run crazy. We need to have structure and discipline. But there's a difference. That provoking is when we just hammer and hammer and hammer. Or we are uh, strict one moment and lenient the next, and then we get mad mad at them for being wishy-washy themselves. need to be consistent. need to work hard at the decisions we make. I'm going to tie this together because already there's a weight of going, but it's so hard. Uh, and I've, I've got, got four kids. I know. Now, some, some may not know. I've got amazing kids. Love them to death, as we all do. But people have actually come to us at times, and they've watched Zach and Matthew, and they were, they've always been good in Madeline's, and they've actually says, "Well, you don't have kids." They've actually cl- accused us of not having real children because <laughs> our children don't disobey and don't disrespect. I kid you not. And, and then they'll suggest, wait until you get a, get, get a bad one. There. Well, we didn't get a bad one, but we've got a challenging one. His name is Mr. President. <laughs> Colonel, I don't know what his name is, but he's not quite six, and he is so strong. He's just got this... this this will, and I just, you know, she, we, we, Shad and I talk, like, what is going on? And I says, he's going to be amazing. He is going to be amazing if we don't kill him. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's just, he's, I mean, he just says these, these amazing things. The other day, Shannon had Caden and, and Samuel, and, and she's trying to keep them real structured. You know, if you've got problems in the house, one of the things probably going on is you're letting your kids run freely too much so one of the good thing to do is give them limited amounts of time to do certain things and then move them on so they don't get bored and so she was looking for different things and they were out playing and she says okay we're gonna come and do some crafts samuel looks at her and says 
you're just doing this so you keep us occupied so you can watch TV. He's not quite six. So, it would be really easy to just squash that little spirit. Don't do that. That little amazing strong spirit just needs to be guided. And and, and we're not going to get into all the ins and outs of that. But if you're having issues, we've got some great resources through experience, through other people's experience, some great books we could recommend. Don't back off in your relationships with your husband, your wife, or your children. Don't give in to the anger. And that's where the provoking often comes from. We just get angry. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Squashing and provoking and screaming and damaging your children is sin. We don't call them names. We don't yell. We don't squash them. And I tell you, you'll begin to see flourishing. It's tough. All these are going to come together in a moment. Going in verse 22, bond servants obey in all things. Here, 22 through 4-1, we're talking about slaves. And and some people say, well, you know, the Bible's wrong and bad because it never condemned slavery. You know, the the Christian community was so, so small at the time and... Slavery had been part of all the cultures, Roman and even Jewish, though they were supposed to be setting people free if they were fellow fellow Jews for so long. Instead, Paul's saying, listen, this is just what it is right now. So therefore, this is how you live. Now, I believe that when we come to these passages, we need to equate this for ourselves as employees. Now, we don't have slavery, though some of you might feel like one. Employees, obey in all things your bosses according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart and fearing God. This is a great section in Colossians. We're talking about just everyday life and how that affects us. And here we go. We're going, obey again all things in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You know, as we work, work to the Lord. Don't just work to your boss. Work and say, God, everything I'm doing, I'm going to serve you in. So I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind. I'm going to do extra work. I'm going to be here and do everything I can, because I'm not just serving them. I'm serving you. And if I'm serving you, I'm going to do this with love. I'm going to pray a lot for joy. I'm going to do everything I can and let you be the one who elevates me. Now, sometimes you don't get elevated. We've, know, we've known this story of many times of people who've worked really hard. And I heard a story just recently of a guy who was just really, he did extra work. He was really, you know, he was the suck up, I guess, right? Teacher's pet on the job site. He was doing so much and he was doing everything. All the other employees, they were making, he was making them look bad. So they started making up stories about him. They accused him of stealing and he got fired. So sometimes crazy things happen and you're doing the right thing and serving the Lord and it gets rough. But you're not serving them. You're serving God. 
And if you can get that heart attitude right, you're going to be elevated. He will elevate you. And your work thing, things at work are going to be so much better. Don't take the shortcuts. Don't be like, the boss is away. The mice are going to play. You know, I used to work on the construction sites. And, you know, there was some crews I went, oh, my goodness, that poor boss. As soon as he left the job site, they started playing and shooting nails at each other and taking, taking lots of breaks and smoking their marijuana. And he's, come on. Just serve the Lord wherever you're at. Obey. Be the best employee because as you're there, people know you're a Christian. Don't be known for being lazy. Be known for being on time. Be known for having a good attitude. Be a witness there. Not just when they see you. Do it all the time. And not just so you can get the raise. This is what says men pleasers. Do it in sincerity of heart, fearing God. What would God have you do? He would have you love. He would have you honor. He would have you obey. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And here, verse 24, if you're doing it for your paycheck, you know that it's not worth it. You know, I mean, some of you work really hard and you get eight, nine, ten dollars an hour. And if you're, you know, yes, you need that paycheck, but don't do it for the paycheck. Do it for the Lord and let him reward you. Part of it, he'll use the bosses to pay you that paycheck. But as you do that to the Lord, I believe God will come in in blessings in other ways. And that's when, as you're, as you're serving him, as you're working hard at, at your work, as you're living through the principles of the Bible, you'll find blessings beginning to come where God is saying, I'm going to take care of you because you work for me. You don't work for DIY or Big Five or the Robin Hood or the gas company or whatever it is. You work for Jesus. He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Go on to this next section. Bosses. There's a business owners maybe in here, people that work for you. Give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, be upstanding. Be righteous. Give them what's just and fair that we're living in, in really hard times and i know this is a a real sticky thing but you know bosses contractors pay your employees what's supposed to be paid give them the the, the protection and insurance that they're due god's gonna bless you it's really hard to to run a a legal business in this culture but i've watched the blessings of god pour out on the contractors and the men the, especially in that field that stand upright and say, man, this is hard, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be legal. I'm going to give them what they deserve. Bless them. That doesn't mean you, you reward laziness. Hey, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. If you need a reason to fire somebody, that's it. You can go, you know what, you're, you're supposed to be working. I need you to work. I'm not saying you have to be a pansy boss. But give them what is just and fair. Honor God. You know, God doesn't let us get away with things. He comes and he kind of straightens us out. Hey, right? We can do that as bosses. We need to do that because you're developing character. You're part of the character development in the people that work for you. Be an amazing boss. Be a, a strong, godly man or woman. Give direction. Give love. Give them what's due. 
But don't let them get away with things, just like we shouldn't let our kids just get away with things. doesn't come out very good. Some of you probably can look back and say, you know, I, I let my kids get away with a lot, and now it's, it's not doing too good in their lives. You, know, you get to be part of that changing and challenging as a boss, as a parent, shaping future people that they might live uprightly, that they might have character. Character is so lacking in our culture. It's amazing what God has called us to. And here, I think we go, I can't do this. Some of you, when you think about not provoking your children, you've gone to instances where you just, you know, you hammer them so strongly. And you go, I can't stop. They just push my buttons. They hack me off. You're right. You can't stop on your own. You need Jesus. You can't do it. Outside of him, these are all great principles and they should be lived by, but we know we just can't quite live up to it. When we go to the book of Ephesians and you see these side-by-side passages, the book of Ephesians says that you need to be spirit-filled. And it talks about husbands and wives and family and how to live. But if you tie it together, it says you can't do that unless you're spirit-filled. In the book of Colossians, just a little bit before where we started this morning, well, I'll start at 14. It says, Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know what reasons you can't not scream at your kids? Because you don't have the peace of God. You got to get the peace. You got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. It doesn't say make the peace of God rule in your heart. You have to let the peace of God rule in your heart. You got to allow God's peace to overwhelm you. Keep reading. To which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in Ephesians, we have let the spirit dwell in you. And now we have let the word dwell in you. We need to be people of the word and of the spirit in order to do any of this. To be able to answer our spouses kindly. To raise our children in a godly home. To submit, to obey. We need to be in the word and be in Christ and have Christ in us. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know, every day we're challenged with this thing as Christians. We talked about this in our life group on, on Wednesday night. It was just a great time of talking about what, what does it look like because we're, we're dead to sin. We're alive in Christ. My, my flesh has been crucified. And, and we, we're, this is always coming up saying, I don't understand because if I'm a Christian, why do I have all this anger? And it's coming up. It's constantly coming up. But see, there's a difference. There's a difference before when you weren't, weren't saved as to right now and that your spirit was dead and you had to give in to those, those pressures. But now the spirit of God is alive in us and it gives us the opportunity to say no to ungodliness. It's an opportunity. Every time that comes up, every time your flesh, that ugliness rears its head, God has given you an opportunity to say no to ungodliness and submit to the Spirit of God. And we just have to take that and stretch that time as much as we can. The more we submit to God and let Christ in us have His way, that opportunity 
grows longer and we're able to say no to ungodliness more and more because we've allowed the spirit. But the more we give in to the, it becomes this habit, becomes reaction, and we're coming back over to the side of the flesh. These poor people over here, they're on the flesh, and this must be the spiritual side. <laughs> Submit it unto God. Take those times, even if you physically have to stop and count. Breathe. Some of you are thinking, if I stopped and counted, I'd count to a thousand. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Now, on top of all these things, you might have some extra stuff going on. Your family and your marriage at work. That's a great time that, to be in community. Get some advice, get some help, get some prayer from those around you. You know, a great life group has got older people and younger people, people all stages so that they can help with understand and, and work together. Find godly people and say, this is what's happening in my home. I need help. A message like this, you're not going to cover all things. Now, you, if you have a rough relationship with your spouse, if you begin to... F- Put the Bible into practice. What does Galatians 5 say? The fruit of the Spirit is? You guys are doing right? Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. As you yield your life to the Spirit, these things are going to begin to come and be part of your everyday life more and more. And your marriage will get better. But you may come up against obstacles that need to be dealt with. That's not what this message is for. That's where life groups come in. That's where pastors come Those who've gone through it can come in and help you navigate specific situations. But if you'll start here, you'll see a change. Kids, if you'll start here, you'll see a change in your family. If you begin to submit and obey them and live and let the fruit of the Spirit come out and you answer kindly to your parents or to those that are raising you, if you have... If you actually let God come through you and stop being so grumpy, let a little bit of joy come through, life will change for you. Parents, the same thing. Husbands, wives, let these things happen. Whatever you do, verse 17, Colossians 3, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to God the Father through Him. You can't do it on your own. We can't do it for ourselves. We have to do it in and through Him, giving thanks to Him. I love Ephesians. In the same section, it's, Chapter 5 says, walk in love. And it says, walk in light. Walk in wisdom in my Bible. Verse 18. This is also some good encouraging encouragement for you guys. Do not be drunk with wine. That's not going to make your marriage better. It's not going to make your parenting better. It's not going to make anything better. In which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In the morning, you need the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Get into His Word. Get into His presence. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. I mean, that sounds kind of funny, like husbands and wives and kids, but speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but these things are, are positive. These are about the Lord. It's really hard to scream and yell at your spouse or your kids after you've just sung a hymn or a Christian song. After you maybe grabbed the, your spouse's hand and worshipped a little bit together. Try to yell at them after that. Put these things into practice. These are some, some wonderful, wonderful things. Submit to one another in the fear of God. It's not easy. But we find that there are some simple things we can put into practice and see our lives better. I'm going to close and I'm going to ask Robert. He's just going to come and just maybe lead some worship. But I'm going to ask for those who, who just want to kind of make that declaration. They don't want to kind of do it. They, they want to do it. They want to say, you know, I've, I've missed the mark. God's speaking to me that I need to submit. I need to love. I need to obey. I need to treat better the people I'm in relationship with. I need to let the Spirit of God dwell richly inside of me. I need to be a, a man or woman of the Word of God because I can't do this on my own. But, but I'm, I'm committing myself. I'm going to press into Him and to let His peace reign through me. So it's just a simple time of coming forward Say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me. And this opens up a whole thing with forgiveness because if you've hurt your spouse or your children or your boss or any of these relationships or anyone else that God is dealing with you with, I want to encourage you with something. You don't just to get you don't just get to say, I'm sorry to God. But God is going to also cause you to go and talk to that person. See, we can get forgiveness here, but the Bible says we don't get forgiveness here until we get forgiveness here. And so sometimes when we blow it and we hurt other people, we think that we just get to go, God, I'm sorry, and leave the casualties alone. But there'll be healing in your life if you'll say, God, I'm asking forgiveness here, but I know I'm not going to get it until I go to the person that I've been offending, treating harshly stealing from, provoking. And so God, help me as I go to them and and ask their forgiveness and apologize. And then as you do that, you'll receive it from God too. And then commit to be in Him. God, I need you. So if that's you today, I'm just going to invite everyone to come forward who's saying, yes, I need the Lord in this area. And I'm committing to follow him. Committing to treat my spouse the way I'm supposed to. God, I'm going to need your help, but I'm committing to submit unto my husband. I'm committing to love my wife. Just come forward if that's you. Father, move upon hearts right now. God, I have not 
treated my own wife in the way that she deserves. God, I've yelled and provoked my children. And I thank you for that forgiveness, God. I thank you that you've, over the years, taught me to go and even apologize to my own children for my anger. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I as a man, as a father, as a husband, commit to you to to let the Spirit of God live in me, to take time and to yield to what the Spirit is saying, that I might be the man of God, that I might be a husband, a father, a godly father, even at this place is I'm a leader, Lord. I desire to be that godly leader. That's my commitment, Lord. I believe there are people, those who've come forward and those who are just praying in their seats. We commit our lives to you. God, we're going to need help in this area. We thank you that you've given us your spirit. You've given us your word. And you've given other believers. So today, Lord, we commit to you. Commit ourselves afresh to you. Lord, some of us may have to go and make amends with those we've already hurt. Give us the strength and confidence to do that. Receive forgiveness from them. Receive forgiveness from you. And live as the Spirit lives through us in you. Thank you, God. Strengthen each of us today as we are committed to shining your light in this community and helping to bring others one step closer to you, starting with our families, starting with our workplaces. Help us, cause us to bring everyone we come in contact with closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone you want specific prayer, just want to spend time praying, you're welcome to do that. See you in your life group this week. Hope you can make it. Have a great time of fellowship there and potluck next Sunday. Bring lots of good stuff. Bless you guys.